Thank you, Gail. Good morning, everyone. How are you? It's good to gather. Um, uh, Christian greeting is supposed to be at this point, and so we don't, we're not in the season of going around and shaking hands and so on and so forth, but it is good just to stand up for a minute in the service. So if you want to stand up and kind of wave at one another, that'd be fantastic. There you go. Good to see everyone. Yep. There you go. Cool. And um, I'll take our photo <laughs> um, for the who is here today kind of thing. At some point in the future, we want to do it. So, all right, everyone on this side, take say hello. Good. And then everyone on this side. There you go. All right. All right. So, it's good. All right. Like I said, good morning, grace and peace to you gathered in this place, and grace and peace to everyone who is gathered on Zoom this morning. Uh, it is good to preach to actual people. I share the same, Gail just said that a second ago, and not just to the iPad. So it's a little less awkward because there's people to, to, to talk with. Um, I'm thankful for the recent trends that we see with this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we have a lower positivity rate out there. I think last night I saw 3.4 uh, for the for state of Illinois, which is great. Uh, hospital capacity is increasing. Um, uh, vaccine uh, distribution slowly and surely coming out, um, uh, more and more available. Uh, so that's that's also good good news. Um, indeed, we're in a good direction. We're on a good path. Yet at the same time, uh, it's still a long road ahead uh, until we get to maybe the things, you know, the way it once was. So there's still lots to, to, to navigate, all that is. Um, in this epiphany season, we have been uh, walking through some psalms uh, since, since um, yeah, epiphany, uh, all the way up until till Lent. They'll, they'll be coming up here in February in a couple weeks. And uh, it's, been, it's been good for my soul. It's been good for my heart to interact with these psalms. Um, to read, to reflect, to pray through, to receive these ancient prayers, however, completely relevant to our world in the here and now, the place where we live and move and have our being. So my hope is that as we've gone through these psalms over these last number of weeks, that it's been a gift to you as well. Today we have the blessing of Psalm 147, in which Mark just read and Gail shared about. It is a it's an interesting psalm, to say the least. Uh, these, uh, these, um, the picture, the psalm, uh, sorry, this particular psalm, psalm is believed uh, to be of written. See, when you mess up, I can hit stop on the, on the and so I can't, like, stop and start over. It's just, <laughs> I can't do that today. So I just got to press through no matter what. <laughs> uh, so this particular psalm is believed to be written for a Jerusalem congregation in the period of restoration after Babylonian exile. Most likely a psalm of praise that was used during the Feast of Tabernacles. And you're like, well, what's that? The Feast of Tabernacles was this celebration of, great, uh, of God's great providence and provision. Feast of Tabernacles, okay? Uh, this, uh, uh, it is part of a, a collection of psalms found at the end of, uh, of the book of Psalms. So there's 150. But the last five of them are what is known, or what are called uh, the Hallelujah Psalms. Um, and even today, uh, the psalm begins and ends. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is how it begins and it ends. 
sometimes translated simply hallelujah. So it's part of this hallelujah chorus at the very end. Uh, um, these are part of the, of the final triumphant response of God's people to their difficult experience with God in a hostile world. All right? So these psalms, uh, 150 uh, of them, they end on a high note. The last five, it's like, ah, it's a high note for sure. Uh, a note of praise, a note of thanksgiving, a note of uh, uh, worship, exaltation. What is true of many of the early psalms, the, the early, there's 150, the early ones, what's true of them, that they are songs, they are prayers, uh, full of doubt, questioning, wondering, anxiety, frustration, even anger, really raw. The, it's, it, the psalmist is, this is how I feel about what's going on around me, and this is how I feel what's going, going on inside of me. Uh, those are the early psalms. None of that in Psalm 147. Uh, this morning, as we draw near again to this prayer, I invite you to pay attention to the mood in which this psalm is written, okay? Notice that there's no, there is an absence of interrogation. There's no what-ifs. There's no talking about the threats of enemies. There's no crisis of faith here in this Psalm 147. Rather, here in 147, we have a psalmist shouting out, and convincingly so. There's no hint of opinion or wishful thinking, uh, we notice the indicatives in, in the psalm. It says, the Lord builds Jerusalem. And the imperatives, sing to the Lord, make music to our God. Okay? If this psalm were preached by my brother, Pastor Samuel Duren at Zion Baptist Church this morning, there would be a proclamation of God's greatness while encouraging, no, demanding a response from the congregation. Okay? Uh, praise to the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Amen and amen for sure. Okay. Let's not be the quiet in the land today. This is Psalm 147. Okay. <laughs> now, two weeks ago in Psalm 62, when we, when we uh, walked through this uh, Psalm 62, there were six different movements or pivots. And actually, I was going to record uh, one of my kids pivoting, like with a basketball, like pivoting. Like there's, there's movements within this Psalm 62. But it was going to be too cheesy, just as it was cheesy just now, okay? But we, so we didn't film it. Um, but there's these pivots. There's these pivots. Um, in Psalm 62, there's a focus on the inner self, a pivot to the focus of their enemies, a pivot back to themselves, a pivot to others, and then a pivot to God at the end of the Psalm. So there's these pivots. This morning, in Psalm 147, I, I see this more as a camera lens, a zooming in and a zooming out, a zooming in and a zooming out. You know, you know these camera lenses that go in and out um, uh, rather rapidly, back and forth. Its focus can be wide. Its focus can be narrow. Its focus can be near. Its focus can be far. So I kind of like this next picture here. Uh, next one there. There you go. Yeah, it's just focal, you know, focal length. Um, I think Danielle might know some things about what's going on here with the cameras and so on and so forth and how you have a wide angle and a narrow, uh, and you zoom in, these kinds of things. So, so I see this at multiple times throughout this psalm, okay? So let me show you what I mean. Verse 1, praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. 
Okay. All right. Well, amen. <laughs> Thanks. All right. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, and he gathers, he gathers, just picture it. He's, he gathers all the exiles of Israel. Okay. So I see here this lens view is a wide, sort of like a fisheye, a wide view. He, so God is vast. God is huge. And I think we're invited to consider how vast God is, how big he is. And that God is also in the business of building up Jerusalem while gathering many people. His arms are wide. These exiles of Israel, formerly in another land, a large group of people, it's an inclusive all, okay? So we have this wide view. But the very next verse seems to focus more on the individual and the personal, okay? At an individual personal level. And it says, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. So here uh, the lens is focused. It's narrow, okay, on something much smaller, the human heart. This, this muscle beating in one's chest and the wounds that have been inflicted on these people. Healing is coming both for the individual and also for the community, okay? So th then, so that's a narrow focus, and then in verse 4, we, we expand back out again, right? He determines the number of stars, and he calls each of them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. So this, the zoom lens begins to, to bring in to view the enormity, okay? It's a wide view. How many stars are out there? How many? And he has them named. There's Fred. There's Wilma. There's, no, that's the Flintstones. So, like, there's the, he has them all. He has to, they have to pan out. He has to have a fisheye. He has to have a wide lens, okay? Um, and he calls them each by name. And again, we have these words about God's grace to the exiles who are brokenhearted and wounded, focused, okay? Followed by this sort of unexpectedly, this truth that God determines the number of stars and he calls them each by name. And then we have this language in verse 5. Great, mighty in power. His understanding goes on forever. Forever, arms wide lens wide. Then in verse 6, the Lord sustains the humble, but casts, uh, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to God on the harp. The lens here, I see it's, it's coming back narrow again, and it focuses on the particular, speaking to a particular kind of person, those who are humble, those who are um, found to be wicked, and while on the particular, making music on the what? On the harp, small instrument, on the particular. And in verse 8, what do we do? He goes from narrow and he goes back wide again. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the whole earth with rain, except for maybe Arizona, and makes grass grow on the hills, wide. We go back wide. He covers the sky with massive clouds, supplies the earth with rain, and grass grows on all the hills. It's a large, creative undertaking. And while God is up to that, we return to the particular. We return to a, a focus. He provides food for who? For the cattle. He provides for the young ravens 
when they call. So this lens goes back narrow, zooms in. We just have the grasses of the field, the receiving of the rain, okay? Providing food for cattle and young ravens. The young ravens here thought to be abandoned, abandoned, I can't say that word, by their, by their moms, left to fend for themselves. This call, this cry that the ravens have uh, is a sign that they were neglected, but the Lord provides, even for the ravens. And if you're from Baltimore, you know, who could root for that team, right? But even God cares about the Baltimore ravens, right? So, um, God provides for them, just as we see with these small animals in God's care and concern. So it is with Israel and their cry for help. We continue in verse 10. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Here in verse 10 and 11, the psalmist brings into view all of Israel again, okay? And he gives an implicit warning in verse 10 with an explicit promise in verse 11, okay? Before Israel was sent off into exile, they engaged in all kinds of political intrigue and military maneuvering to address the threats of invaders from the north. But here God seems to be reminding his people that it didn't work then, and it won't work now either. It won't work now either. And then here in verse 11, where is your hope to be found? In God's unfailing love for them, because God doesn't take the pleasure pleasure and strength of the horse, we could look at equivalent would be military tank potentially today, or in the, in, in, um, the legs of the warrior, a foot soldier. Rather, Yahweh delights in those who fear him. Now, this fear has this sense of fears um, those who have a natural orientation of reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. Those who have reverence and awe for him. And put their hope in his what? His unfailing love. The Hebrew word here is uh, hesed, um, which is covenant faithfulness, loving kindness, Goodness and mercy. So you see this back and forth pattern, this camera lens zoom. And now we go back to the wide, verse 12. Extol to the Lord, extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. Our lectionary text ends here, but the rest of the psalm continues, and it is lovely. So I would continue to um, encourage you to read that throughout the week. But as we end here, we notice the zooming in and the zooming back, zooming in and zooming out, okay? Near and far, big and small. Because this psalm so beautifully weaves together, quite beautifully, God's cosmic immensity and God's covenant intimacy. Say that again. It brings together God's cosmic immensity and his covenant intimacy with people. It is back and forth. Just, just doing that, 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 that lens zoom, back and forth, back and forth. Beautiful. It is beautiful. The psalm 
seems to speak of a couple different realities at the same time, which is why it perhaps begins how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll get there. Because this back and forth gives us a great mystery, doesn't it? It's mysterious. How in the world can God do this? Right? It's, it's, a mystery, it's a mystery to ponder and to hold on to. A theology. That is how we think about God. A theology of divine sovereignty while placing side by side both the realities of that God is in control of the world and that he cares about the very details of your life. Side by side. Indeed, and just a, a great mystery. One that invites our praise. And if it's so with Israel, God's covenant people, it's also true of his church today. God restored Israel. He rebuilt Jerusalem. God can and will restore and rebuild his church that so desperately needs it. The same God who loves and cares for the church is the same God who counts and names the stars. This is good news, amen? It's simply beautiful. God's immensity and God's intimacy interwoven in a way that anticipates the wonder of incarnation. Jesus is that. He just bridges that. He makes both of those possible at the same time. And it's beautiful. I'd hit pause on the iPad right now, <laughs> collect myself, and then continue. But we're live. <laughs> Uh, it's a joy uh, to be able to share these ideas with you. Um, some of the noticings that, I, that I've had uh, as I interacted with this Psalm 147. But what about you? What about you? How is it that you read it? How is it that you receive it? What stirs in your mind? What stirs in your heart? Do you sense anything in your body as you engage with this Psalm 147? And perhaps one day we can pass around the mic again and share and give witness and, and to what the Holy Spirit is, is stirring in each of us, although we can't do that in this season. But I encourage you to do that with those who you journey with, which is probably just your family <laughs> at the point at home. <laughs> so um, let's see here. But I thought it'd be fitting to leave, leave you with just a set of questions um, uh, to sort of wrestle with as you look at this one, Psalm 147. And number one is this. What is, it in your, that, what is it in your life or in the lives around you um, that have you saying, singing, shouting, praise the Lord? How good is it to sing praises to our God? How pleasant and fitting to praise him. So an invitation to pause and just to reflect upon this question.
Secondly, there's, uh, if you want to write these down and kind of do these throughout the week, but how do you receive the reality of God both naming the stars and having deep compassion and attentiveness to you? What feelings, emotions might this evoke? And finally, um, who, what, or perhaps where has your hope been focused in this season? It is truly a gift to be back, to be with you, Um, and I just leave you with God's grace and peace as we continue in our worship service.